everyone, and welcome back to the Voice of Hope in the Darkness podcast series. Today we will be discussing disconnection and really talk about many of the signs and symptoms that people demonstrate when developing depression. I want to start off by defining the word disconnection. You see, it's the state of being isolated or detached. I know for me, as an introvert, there have been many times where being alone felt rejuvenating because my spirit and soul needed the downtime from everyone else's stress and worries in order to deal with my own. This is normal and healthy. Even as everyone at you know some point needs to rest, some just need it more often than others, and that is perfectly okay. You see, we were designed in an incredibly unique way and respond to certain situations and stress differently. This past week, I've been thinking a lot about personality types and the different things that can entail um, for a person. We often wonder, you know, why people react certain ways or approach situations differently than how we might, you know, handle it personally. And the the one particular personality test that I've been so intrigued by is the the Myers-Briggs personality types. Um, And the way that the Myers-Briggs one works, it really um, breaks down people into 16 possible categories based on where your focus is, how you take in information, how you make decisions, and how you live your outer life. Um, Each personality type is composed of four letters, and the, the first letter is either E for extroversion or I for introversion. And the answer to um, which one is more true for you may be extremely obvious or more subtle. You know, for me, some people think I'm an extrovert. Some people think I'm an introvert. And, you know, it's not always clear. Whereas other people you come across and it's very obvious that that person is totally extroverted. They're in their element when they're around a lot of people, big groups, crowds. They're totally fine. Whereas other people, you know, they have a harder time opening up. And it's obvious when they're more introverted. Um, But it is something that's determined by the behaviors that you typically demonstrate in your day-to-day life as far as being talkative and outgoing or more observant and private. So then the second letter is either S for sensing or N for intuition. And this is determined based on how you see the world around you, either based on reality or how things actually are in, you know, a more figurative and imaginative ways. And then the third letter is either T for thinking or F for feeling, which has to do with whether you base your decision making on justice, logic, and fairness, or more towards personal values, forgiveness, and empathy. And then the fourth and final letter is either J for judging or P for perceiving, which can be determined by your need to leave your options open, have flexibility, or be very de- you know deadline and instruction driven. So between all of these different variables, you know, each person on some sort of spectrum falls more towards, you know, one letter than the other. So, you know, a person may not be 100% extrovert or 100% introvert. They may be more towards the middle, you know, 40, 60 or something like that. But most people tend to lean one way or the other. So this ends up creating the 16 possible variables for, you know, all the different personality types. So for me, I'm an INFJ meaning that I'm more introverted than extroverted. I use my intuition to take in information like noticing the big picture, seeing how everything connects, and I lean more towards empathy and harmony and like to point out the best in people, but I still think that rules and deadlines should be respected, and that's where that J comes in for justice. 
And the cool part about these various personality types, though, is that even though I may be an INFJ, and there are tons and tons of other people out in the world that also have that exact same personality type, we are still not identical in the way we think, process information, or even behave. This may be an excellent way to look at the world and understand why and how people process things around them, but there still requires this, this good deal of understanding from others, these cues that are given, you know, even if subconsciously, that they're trying to tell us. You know, just because somebody is an INFJ does not mean they're going to respond to a situation in the exact same way that I will. So if I was observing a person or trying to be more aware of the way people are feeling around me, you know, I can't just say, oh, well, this person is this personality type, so they respond this way. And, you know, it's not black and white like that. There's a lot more to it. It's more complex. So this brings me back around to our discussion of disconnection as this is usually one of the earliest signs that someone is headed down a road of crisis. You know, spending time alone can be a good thing, and some people require more solitude than others. You know, introverts, for example, again, you know, they enjoy spending lots of time alone and can feel drained through all this social interaction, whereas extroverts, you know, they prefer the company of others. They like being around bigger groups of people, and they don't like being alone as much. They feel recharged through that social interaction. Now, I'm not saying that if your friend doesn't text you back for a whole day to panic or anything like that, because I don't want to evoke fear in anyone. It's very possible that person could be, you know, any combination of any of the introvert personality types. They could be ISTJ, ISFJ, INTJ, ISTP, any of these combinations. And, you know, keeping to themselves more often than not would not be abnormal for them. But all I'm saying is that when people start to withdraw from friends, family, society in an unhealthy manner, it's a pretty big red flag that something is going on and needs to be addressed. So this is really just what I really want to speak to today is that understanding of what's going on in the lives of the people around us. You know, when people start acting different than how they usually do, are we aware of these things? Do we know that it's happening around us? Because if we're not aware, not only can we not reach out to that person or, you know, attempt to help them, but it goes unnoticed altogether. And it's very possible that if we're not aware, that no one else is either. So the type of disconnection that we are discussing is something that goes beyond taking a break from social media or friends and family for a short period of time because we all do this and need to at certain times to get our own personal lives back in order. What I'm talking about here is true isolation. This is what can lead um, really to encouraging feelings of depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts and other things associated with mental illness that really as a culture, you know, we don't want to keep contributing to that. We don't want to allow anything that is going to make these symptoms worse, you know, keep going on. Social isolation is this absence of social relationships. You know, it's typically considered unhealthy when people spend excessive time alone, particularly when they no longer benefit from it. And that's really the biggest thing. You know, if somebody takes a couple days away, you know, maybe goes on a vacation, turns off all the cellular cellular devices, you know, anything like that, and they come back, you know, feeling fresh and ready to, you know, get back to work and to school and to their friends and all this other stuff, you know, you can tell like that was a healthy time that was spent that way. But when you're starting to notice that these people that are withdrawing are no longer benefiting 
from that time alone, you know, this social isolation when they're when they're actually isolating themselves, you know, this can be something like staying home for days, not talking with friends or acquaintances, generally avoiding contact with people of, of any type, any form of contact. Um, you know, it's usually something that's very on the surface, even if they are having any, and all of those real relationships, those real connections are missing. Thus the word disconnection. You know, avoiding social contact, it's a, it's a pretty common pattern. And you might notice that when someone's falling into depression, that they start showing these similar symptoms early on. You know, some people, they skip activities that they normally enjoy. They isolate themselves from the world. Um, and other people, they respond in different ways. You know, they turn to alcohol or junk food to, to mask whatever's going on. So whatever the thing is that they're turning to as they're drawing away from society, we have to be aware of these things if we're ever going to be able to reach out to them and support them and show them that they matter. And it can be very common for people with depression and anxiety to come up with, you know, excuses to avoid going out and doing things that they would typically be a part of. You know, it can it can exacerbate a person's feelings of low self-worth, you know, this, this shame and loneliness and just this habitual cycle of depression and other mental health concerns. This social isolation, it can be both a cause and a symptom of these mental health issues. And, you know, isolation itself is not a diagnosis, but it can be a symptom of something more serious going on with that person. And so we as a society need to educate ourselves in order to be more aware so that we can speak life into people, so that we can bring them hope and support and the things that they need in order to keep living their lives and being successful. So the biggest question you may be asking yourself right now as we're talking about all these things and being aware and knowing what's going on, you know, the real question is, what can you do? How can you change how that person is feeling or lift their spirits or change the way they view themselves or, you know, any of these other things? And really the biggest first step that you can take is understanding when they're at a point when they actually need help. And if you're uncertain, you can always look for other symptoms that go along with it. You know, depression and anxiety, they have a lot of other little symptoms that can go along like how they're eating, how they're sleeping, and so on. And paying attention to how these change. You know, if it's somebody who typically sleeps a lot and then suddenly, you know, they're staying up all hours of the night, unable to sleep, or vice versa. Somebody who typically runs on a lot less sleep but then spends days in bed, you know, just noticing the changes and what's normal for them and paying attention to whether these changes, you know, are happening in a real short period of time or if they're gradually happening over a longer period of time. You know, it's it's really important to to offer help for whatever they're going through. And the biggest thing is you can't force someone to accept your help. You can't force them to listen to your advice or anything else. So you have to be cautious as you approach this subject because you never know just how severe this person's troubles are. You know, you don't know if this person's withdrawing just because they're exhausted from their job draining them and working all the time in school. And, you know, you don't know if it's just a combination of something like that or if they're wrestling with something related to a mental illness or trauma or abuse. You never really know what that person is going through behind closed doors. So be patient with the person. 
understand that whatever topic they are dealing with is sensitive. You know, obviously, if it's, you know, affecting their their sleeping habits, their eating habits, the way they're interacting with people around them, it's a big deal to them. Regardless of if it's something that would seem like a big deal to you or is a big deal to you, it's obviously a very sensitive topic to them and should be respected and treated as such. You know, we have to do our best to support these people, whoever they are in our lives, whether it's our spouse, our sibling, mother, child, whoever this person is, offering your support to that person, letting them know that whatever they go through, that you're not going to judge them for it, you're not going to think of them less, that you're there to support them and help them through it, whatever that may look like. Offer to spend time with them when they're comfortable with it. Invite them to social events. Encourage them to hang out with other people. And most of all, do not give up on them or be discouraged if they turn you down at first. Because chances are, if they're really going through something that's this difficult and this frustrating, they may turn you down. You may offer your help, your advice, your support, your willingness to listen, to go out with them, whatever it is, and they may not want any part of it. They may not be ready for that help yet. If you fear that someone you know is in distress, there are so many resources like the Lifeline that provides 24-7 free and confidential support for people who may be dealing with depression, self-harm, suicidal thoughts, whatever it is. And it's something that we should all have this number memorized and ready for anyone who might need it. And the number is one 800 273-8255. Their lines are always available. They have people who are willing to listen, willing to talk, willing to be there and be that support when someone feels like they can't really open up to anybody else. It's an excellent resource. Again, that number is 1-800-273-8255. And if you are ever feeling like disconnecting yourself or someone or know someone who is, remember that you were created uniquely. All the way down to your personality was handcrafted to make you you. You are valuable, you matter, and you are so loved. Here at Voice of Hope in the Darkness, we love hearing from you, our listeners, and learning more about your story, the things that you're going through, the people that you're connected to. And if you would like to reach out to us or connect with us, you can visit our website at voiceofhopeinthedarkness.com, or you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to you know have daily support, blogs, and all that other good stuff as far as encouragement and inspiration goes. We are so thankful for each and every one of you, and it is our hope to be a light and reach you in your darkest, most frustrating moments in order to remind you just how important and needed you are. Until next time, this is Nicole Smith signing off.